Hello, hello, beautiful souls. Welcome, welcome. This is Devin with another episode of Subtle Medicine, and this one is so juicy. I am here with Elizabeth Devon, and we are getting into all things narcissism, clearly defining what a narcissist is, how to recognize the signs of narcissistic abuse in your life, how to heal, how to deeply get back into your body. It's so good, so juicy. Elizabeth Devon is a licensed psychotherapist, transformational coach, expert of trauma psychology, conscious relationships, embodiment, and shadow work. She's a speaker and founder of Woman Emerging LLC. Having built a results-driven therapy practice over the last decade, she has created unique, high-impact programming for her clients to help them heal traumatic-based relationship patterns in tangible ways that have been shown to sustain over time. Elizabeth is now expanding her work with even more programming, groups, workshops, retreats, e-courses, and wild feminine embodiment arts to help people access their own divine medicine and deeply heal the subconscious roots of their relationship patterns. So good. Learn more about her at elizabethdevon.com. So cozy in, grab yourself some tea, whatever beverage you might want, maybe a journal. This one's full of juicy self-reflective opportunities and some really good tools and resources and tips. And it is my pleasure to get into it. So here we go. Oh, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited to have you and to get into this topic. Oh, me too, Devin. Thank you so much. It's like I was saying earlier, it is, it's life-giving to be in your space. And when we talk, um, now it's just going to be recorded, which is amazing. <laughs> so thank you for having me. We've had so many conversations and, and every time I feel like that should have been recorded. That was so good. So here we are and, and yes, yeah, we're, we're recording and we're going to share with the world. And, and I trust that it will land and reach those that really need to hear about this mm-hmm. super important topic. So we are diving into all things narcissism and defining it more clearly, discussing the signs, discussing behavioral coping patterns that one may adopt after being entangled with a narcissist, how to heal more deeply, and how to demagnetize yourself from narcissistic abuse. So we're going places today. Yes, we are. And I'd love to just like start from the top and define narcissism more clearly, because I feel like in, in my experience, and I work a lot with, with highly sensitive people, that the term has kind of become like weaponized, where we love to throw mm-hmm. it around to people who love to take care of themselves or who, oh my gosh, love themselves. And like, that's not what narcissism is. It's right. not loving yourself. <laughs> no, so no. Let's, yes. let's just start there. I'm going to turn it over to you. What is narcissism? Beautiful. I love that. I think this is so important to actually define it because it is, it is, it does get weaponized and misused. Right. And, you know, the first thing that popped in my head that I really want to name is that, you know, particularly I tend to work with people who have been in narcissistic relationships. Right. And we'll talk about the coping and what all that looks like in a little while. But when they do, these are people who typically who they've um, adapted to narcissism by keeping themselves super small. So when they start to take care of themselves, their biggest fear tends to be, oh my gosh, I'm becoming narcissistic. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> you are evolving and you're growing and stretching and allowing yourself to actually take up space. But that to your coping mechanisms, if you've grown up with narcissism, can feel narcissistic. Whew. So that's the first piece that wanted to come through. So what narcissism actually is, in fact, there was way back in grad school, a professor gave us a definition and I still haven't quite found one better. <laughs> and it's so visual and it really gives you the idea of what narcissism is. He said, I don't know why he used like a Mickey Mouse, but like think of like a tiny itty bitty little Mickey Mouse doll in this huge castle. That's what narcissism is. So it's, it's not, it's not actually a place of self-love like that. You know, I hear it all the time. Like, well, can you love yourself too much and be narcissistic? Oh, no, 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 no. 
if you are truly in the frequency of actual love, you are going to love and honor yourself. And that ex extends to everybody else. Narcissism is a deep, deep, deep trauma-based, deep insecurity. And they evolve. So again, the people I tend to work with have developed coping mechanisms more so to keep themselves small. So I can't take up space. I have to shrink. I can't have a voice. People with narcissism just adapted on the different spectrum. It's the exact same traumas. It's the exact same complex trauma that they've had. In fact, these people have been very, very traumatized. They've adapted in a very different way to take up all the space. A trademark of narcissism is that they take up space at the expense of other people. So it's over-functioning. It's not actually a place of love or self-love. These people hate themselves. But they build, you know, kind of the, the castle part is they build, uh, you know, protections around them. Um, to inflate their self-image, to seem very, very important and more important than other people. Like that's how they're trying to protect themselves that I'm more important. There's only me. So again, we look at back how this relates to trauma. People I usually work with more on the codependent end, like my adapt adaptation is it's all about everybody else. People with narcissism, their adaptation is it's, it's all, all about, about me. <laughs> it's just a different way that they adapted and that just travels into adulthood. You know, it's just, it's the, it's a way to attempt to get this exact same relational needs met. It just obviously does not work. So it looks like how it manifests is very inflated self image, um, disparaging other people, making yourself better than other people. Image is really a huge thing. Um, and we see that across the board with narcissism. My, my self image is just of the utmost importance, more important than actual people because I'm that scared. So I have to look appealing to absolutely everybody. Yeah. Including kind of manipulating those around them to also support that. Absolutely. That and that's, that's a big trademark of that. So what ends up happening is um, a partner of a narcissist just becomes a pawn in that. You know, the narcissist is so deeply entrenched in their own trauma and cannot see beyond that, that everything just becomes an extension of them and their self-image. So their partner, their children, their everything. Yes, absolutely at the expense of relationships and not actually honoring the relationships and honoring their individuality. No, you have to be an extension of me. Therefore, you better shape up, look right, be together all the time. Whatever is going to help people like me more. Mm. Right. Listening to you, I have this just kind of sickening feeling in my stomach because it's... Mm just just memories of, of being around people like that and yeah yeah so what are these are all like fabulous signs I mean I have I I'm sure I'm not yeah. the only one listening to you who just has this like some some image of somebody in their past or maybe several is, is coming into their head right now and they're just right. like oh yeah um but what are some other some other signs or maybe maybe some hallmark ones that you've mentioned that maybe you want to expand upon a little bit yeah, absolutely. And if anybody listening, yeah, I know it does hit you in the gut, um, you know, because we've, we've all been around these people. I just learned that there is narcissism in my family, but more on the, on the feminine side. <clears throat> then I work with a lot of people with narcissistic mothers, you know, it looks mm. a lot of the same way. Again, your kids are just an extension of you uh, to make you look better. And it just works the exact same way. Yes. Some other, you know, telltale signs, when I, again, when I work with clients, since I do work with who are typically partners of narcissists or who have been, I ask them to go within like, okay, you know, what are some signs of narcissism? I actually invite them to look more in their own body in, okay, how, what are the ways I responded to narcissism? Are there certain people that I walk on eggshells around? But I feel like I have to walk on eggshells around. Are there certain people that I'm really, really, really afraid to bruise their ego? You know, are there people that I really tend to lower my voice? And are there other people that I feel more safe to express myself with? So more looking for, because I'm always <clears throat> inviting people to, to go inward, you know, into that inward space, because there's a really great place to be on the lookout for narcissistic behavior for sure. But the real telltale signs are how your body responds. So just becoming very, very, very aware to all your bodily signals, like, ooh, how is it responding to this person versus that person? 
am I making myself really small with this person? Those are, those are things I started to notice in my family where there have been narcissistic traits that just made me want to throw up because I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's the narcissism because this is how my body is responding. So I'm wanting to appease them at all costs. Um, yeah, not speak up, not use my voice. Uh, again, just that I think we can all relate just in the body sense of what it's like to make yourself really small. Like, how do you, are there people that you really do that with? The eggshells thing is a big thing. Like, are there people yeah. that's just so, um, I think everybody can resonate with that in their body. You know, like are there people that you're just so afraid to make mad or to create waves with that you just feel like you just have to walk on eggshells around them. Those are big telltale signs that you could be in relation with somebody who is a narcissist. Mm. I love that answer so much. I really appreciate that um, embodiment piece because that's such a huge part of, of my own work personally and my, my own journey and in the work with my clients that, that that's where the truth is. So we can rattle off, you know, top 10 signs of a narcissist. Mm. And this, you know, that's, that's great. And that's a bunch of that stuff that feeds the mental body and gives the mind something to do. But, but the truth is, is in the physical body. Like it's in, it's in the sensations, mm. it's in the experiences. And so thank you for that. Thank you for yes. bringing it back to the body. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that walking on eggshells, when you said it again, was what I had, I had that visceral response and yeah, let's, let's kind of go there maybe a little bit. Maybe that's where we were going to go later, but we're here. So let's, let's play with this some more. Um, what are ways that you would support or kind of encourage somebody who maybe is new to looking within for an answer. Cause I, I feel like when, when we have been the, the recipient of, of abuse from a narcissist or really from anybody, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep it on, on topic. Um, we, we tend to stop trusting ourselves and, and trusting our own signals and our own experiences and our own, um, just in our voice. That's like, Hey, this is actually not okay. You're, you're not the, the crazy one. You're not the one that's wrong here. So how, how would we begin to go about reorienting the person to, to listen and, and hear the guidance from within the guidance from within their body when they feel like they may be in a situation like this? Oh, absolutely. I love that. And just, you know, talk about the power of energy and togetherness. And when you're on the same page, because I'm making some notes over here when it, when things download and, and I wrote, trust myself as soon as you said it. (laughs) So, (laughs) so that's a thing that wants to come through. Yes. Because that, well, because that, honestly, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's another uh, telltale sign that you yourself have been, you know, potentially in um, an abusive narcissistic situation is that you, you feel crazy. You doubt yourself all the time. Maybe near, maybe you don't know what it's like to trust yourself. Maybe you don't, maybe that feels like too far off a goal, but you just do not trust yourself. And that's absolutely it because in a narcissistic system, remember it's all about that one person. And so you are not encouraged to find your own way. You are not encouraged to find your own voice, feel into your own body, have your own experiences. You are an extension of this person. And so gaslighting, that's a big place where that comes in too. <clears throat> and let's define that, you know, that that's really kind of the crazy making, you know, the denial of your own experience, right? So no, your experiences are wrong because if I'm the narcissist, right? If your experiences or thoughts or feelings challenge me or don't fit my self-image, then they have to be wrong because I always have to be right. And so if you, excuse me, are raised in a situation like that, you've, you're primed to just not believe anything in your body to just you, your framework, you know, your egoic framework, you're always, your ego is helping you to survive. It makes, helps you make sense of your world, but your interpretation becomes, oh, I, apparently I can't be trusted. Apparently my feelings are not accurate. Apparently my body's not accurate. Okay, because that's what you were taught. So I'm glad we circled around to that because those are some really other important just things to be aware of and signs. And then yes, like how then, how do we circle back around to the, oh my gosh, well, now what? <laughs> how do I start to, how do I trust myself? Is that even available to me? Like, what do I do? And my message is always, oh yes, it's, 
it's abundantly available to you. Your self-trust, it's not gone anywhere. We just get to build the muscles to trust yourself again. You know, you've just built a lot of muscles to help you survive a narcissistic system. Now we just get to build the self-trust muscles. They haven't gone anywhere. They're just kind of weak right now. And that's cool. So, and that's why, so I have, since I've been working with, with these type of partners for almost 10 years now, about nine years, people with, um, who've grown up with narcissism. And because of all that work, I was really drawn to creating embodiment healing circles for this. So in these embodiment circles are a lot less about, like you said, like we're looking for the cognitive signs, like that's important, but these are all about learning to trust your own body again. So here's where I'm circling back around to that. So how do we even begin to trust ourselves again? It all starts in the body. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite exercises I give people, and I encourage them, you can do it alone or you can do it within a group is you can either take a walk or you can sit in the space somewhere where you feel really safe and comfortable. And if you're walking, don't think about how you need to walk. Listen to how your body wants to walk. Does it want to walk really, really slow? Does it not want to walk at all? Does it want to lay down? But you, you practice turning off your mind and then just try to listen to your body. And it's not going to be perfect, especially at first. Oh my goodness. Like it, it's clunky because you're getting to know yourself, but practice just listening to what your body wants to do. Same thing. If you're sitting in a room, you know, maybe turn on some music that feels good, but then just let your body start, let your body inform you. How does your, and it, it'll often surprise you because you're out of, you're not in your head, you're in your body. But these are some great beginnings of inner trust and learning to trust yourself again because you're leaning into your own, you're trusting your own body's experience and then it's giving you what you need, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm, I love those practices. I, yeah, just that getting back into just the, the like primal flow is just coming in, into my, into my head right now, just getting back into that that primal flow for you and how you relate to space and the earth and, and your environment. And when we're in these very abusive situations, we, like, like you said, we don't get to have the, the freaking, you know, human given right to, mm -hmm. to be in your environment, to have that experience, to feel safe in your body and to have your, your body influence your experience. There's a lot of lack of safety. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Because you're, your nervous system, rightly so, is, you know, especially if you're, well, not especially, because even if you're a partner and, and the person with narcissism is highly abusive, you know, you are in a survival situation. Mm -hmm. So you actually do get to thank your nervous system for helping you survive. You know, our nervous system, we have sympathetic, which helps us survive, and then parasympathetic, which helps us rest and just explore and play and create. If you are in a system where it is not safe, it is essential that your nervous system is switched to survive to just help you get to the next day or help you to, you know, get out of that house, like whenever you can, you know? So absolutely. When we're in survive mode, there's no space to explore and learn how to trust ourselves. And what does this thing mean in my body? What is this feeling? There's, there's no room for that. Mm. Mm. So turning that on, we get to consciously, turn that back on and I think remembering and realizing that we have the ability to turn that back on is so freaking empowering and then to practice turning it on and to practice being in that space and to practice listening to your body it's it's so incredibly healing and empowering and I think many people might find it to be really challenging and clunky like you said it's it's different mm. um but when we've been disconnected for so long it's, it's just like even that more, much more important to, to reconnect. I was going somewhere and my, my brain just completely spaced. Yeah. Probably because it's probably because it's done. My, my, my body's like, <laughs> listen to me. Yeah. I don't yes. want to sit here. <laughs> Our bodies are so online right now. They're like, Oh, me. Exactly. Yes. Listen to me. <laughs> Thank you. Head. Thank you. Mind. But no, you're just done. And that's cool. <laughs> done. Done yeah. with that thought. Yeah, just done. 
Oh, I remembered it. Okay. So I think for, for many of us, we, we want that kind of like quicker, um, cognitive mental body, the, the, like the quicker way. So what would you, would you tell somebody who's, who's coming at you with like, but just tell me what to do or give me, give me that top 10 signs list or give me a way to just like switch into a different mode. What book, what podcast, what, yes, 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 yes. And I love when I get those, those are such endearing questions to me because I get it, I get it. Mm -hmm. And to all of you listening, it's not that there's anything wrong with any of these things. However, when you start, when you feel the urgency behind it, like when you feel the, like you're rushing through it, that is something to pay attention to because that actually is you not feeling safe in your own body. So we have this protective mechanism within us that likes to rush the healing process because the healing process is bananas. It, it's amazing. Mm. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's empowering. And only good things come of it, blah, 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 blah. But it hurts and it sucks and it's different. And you're, and this actually brought up something that I was thinking earlier, you know, as you start to stretch and do things differently. So remember when you are raised in an abusive system, your ego develops a construct to help you which tells you, okay, you are this and only this. You do not speak, you make yourself small because your ego thinks that's how you have to survive. And it's gonna hold hard to that because it's trying to help you. So as soon as you start to empower yourself to do something different, you are gonna have so much mental resistance. You are gonna hear every voice telling you you're selfish. Why are you taking up all this space? Well, you're just a narcissist now. Well, you're this and you're that. And the real change happens in the body. So your ego is going to find every way to keep you out of your body. Like, just read this book, bitch. And then, uh, and then it's, it's done. <laughs> like, then it's fine. Like, the top 10 signs, and then you'll know. And like, yes, while those are helpful, like, those give a good container and a good frame of reference. There's no way all the work is, if you really want to demagnetize yourself from this and create a new relationship pattern, we cannot stay in the head. Yes. So it's a part of you that's trying to rush and not be in pain, Um, but we get to confront the pain in our actual bodies to keep moving through it. So what I always say to these people is, I love your question (laughs) and I I hear you and I see you and maybe I'll give them something. I don't know. It kind of depends, but, and I'll say, okay, can we talk about just taking a breath and slowing things way down? Because that's where the healing process actually happens. The slower we go, the faster we heal. Mm. healing magic is in your body you've been so disconnected from your body and so the re-entry you know like I just saw like an image of a rocket kind of like that's been in space but re-enter the atmosphere like it's going to be good for everybody all the humans get to come back home to planet earth but it's not fun you know they have protocol it's not so the re-entry back into your body to your home simply it's unfamiliar to you so you'll have a lot of resistance to it but we need to go super slow, be super embodied about it. We get to let go of the, the need to see all, to know all the signs, all the warning signs, all of this, all of that. The more you become it more at home with your body and feel safe there, the more you're just gonna trust yourself and you're not gonna need all, all the signs and all the books and all the podcasts. Mm. The slower we go, the faster we heal. Yes. Not good. I love that. Yeah. Healing does not happen in the head. If it did, we'd all be, you know. Oh, we're all good to go. Great. Well-adjusted. Good to go. Healed, Mm. whole, ready to play. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. Clearly that's not the case. And there's, there's some pieces missing. It happens in the body. That's where we get the the flow back, unkink the tubes, unclog the channels, get things flowing the way that they were meant to before uh, we were in situations like this. Absolutely. Yeah. So not trusting yourself, not being in the body, not listening to your body. Mm. What are some other kind of coping mechanisms that we may adopt? Mm. To learn how to trust your body again? No, as, as a result of, of being in, in, in the space of, of a narcissist, what are some other kind of impacts that it would have on us? Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see if I can just kind of stream my, 
my thoughts here, but yeah, like um, all the ways that not trusting yourself. So like <clears throat> a big thing that's come up for me is listening to everybody else's voice instead of my own. Mm. You know, so if you find that you um, need all this valid, like seeking outside validation, that's a big one, right? And that's different than seeking support and having mirrors around you. But if you won't trust yourself to make a decision until five people validate your decision, then that's something really to look at. So, and that's really a big um, adaptation that comes out of narcissism is, well, because you learn not to trust your voice, you learn that you don't have a voice and you learn that you're inept and that you're just, you don't have power. So you listen to everybody else's voices except your own. Um, so with that comes difficulty making decisions. Um, making decisions that aren't in alignment because you're not actually tuning in to what your body is telling you. You know, our body is just has a wisdom that we don't even comprehend. It's so much wiser than the actual mind. Not that the mind is bad. The mind's a very helpful tool, but the body is just, that's connected with much higher wisdom. And when we tune into the body, you know, that is what can inform some of the most aligned decisions. But when we don't have access to that, when we're disconnected from the body, um, you know, we, we can end up choosing a life that's not even for us. And that, that's where mm -hmm. a lot of clients start to come to see me is because, you know, it, you know it, it manifests in things like anxiety and depression for sure, but that's coming from a life of non-alignment. They're choosing things that do not feel aligned with them. You know, I had a client who she's done beautiful work. She's remarried at this point. It's so gorgeous. But she came just with some of the most extreme anxiety I'd ever seen. Well, guess what? Turned out she had a very narcissistic father. And so she married a dude that she didn't even like, but dad liked him. So look at there. So she, you know, had, and we have unending compassion for this, right? A lot of my clients love to get into shame about this. And that's just a whole other thing. Shame's another coping mechanism. It's a distraction. Now you adapted the best you could to a narcissistic environment. And that means, okay, if mommy or daddy likes this person better then I guess I'll marry them. And that's really how it goes. And then of course it's not aligned with you. So your body responds with high anxiety and eventually depression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Creating a vicious circle. Mm-hmm. Or cycle, circle, same thing, vicious cycle of wanting to please. And then the thing that you're doing to please the narcissist doesn't feel good. It doesn't align, which leaves you feeling kind of crappy. And then you want some kind of validation. So we look outside ourselves again and just kind of on Absolutely. and on and on it goes. Keep going. Yeah. And you learn that, you know, I can't possibly have the right answer. So another um, manifestation of living with narcissism is I'm always wrong or what's wrong with me what's wrong with me voice you know if i'm not happy in my situation like well what's wrong with me then you know so yeah. it's it's always it, the 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 validation always needs to come from outside with somebody who's coped with narcissism um because yeah you just haven't imprinted the fact that you know your body's telling you exactly right this part your your narcissistic dad or mom just might not like it and that's okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to hmm. aside from turning to your body as you are kind of thinking about people in your life and in your your past or your current life that may have left some of these imprints in your in your system and in your experience how how else may we kind of mm, recognize these these people in our lives because I, I feel like for somebody that's like so in it and maybe disconnected or just beginning to to make these connections like oh my high anxiety my this my that may be linked to this really toxic person um if somebody's not quite there yet like how Am I making sense? It's like, there's, it I'm, I'm having a hard time articulating it. It's like, I, I don't, I don't want the, like the, the top 10 list, but maybe right. somebody is in that place where that would be the thing that the entry point for them to kind of begin to make some of these connections. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just like maybe 
who who do these people prey upon what's their mo how might i know mm. that like oh yeah actually maybe that's that's it that that, that was the person for me yeah absolutely and i so appreciate you bringing this up because it, it this part is important too you know we get to meet everybody where they're at so if you're super in it and you can't even fathom going back to your body and doing the embodiment work and blah what does that even mean it's like okay we really get to meet you you know, where you're at. And we've all been in places like that, where we actually, we need, you know, just some of these more external signs. So I never, ever want to, you know, villainize that at all. Cause they're, it's all important. You know, we just need a good mix of it all. But yeah, if you're just super in it and you are just starting to wonder, like you've gotten some kind of sign, first of all, celebrate that you have gotten the sign. <laughs> yes. 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 You have, so like, we can't, we need to not ever forget that. Like, Oh, you know, if it's my client, of course, I'm going to say, you know, like, oh, what gave you that sign? Or like, where'd you feel it in your body? Mm-hmm. So, well, of course, that's where we're going to go. But celebrate yourself that you have acknowledged enough to question your relationship. So that's huge. So that's your body talking to you that there's something is just off. You know, a lot of kind of the more external signs I would say <laughs> would be, what is it like talking to this person that you're suspecting is abusive? and narcissistic um are they always telling you it's your fault are you always in the wrong that's a huge one that's huge that i hear that i think that's probably one of the things i hear most as the people i work with are starting to really sift through and compare it to other people in your life you know other people can you have a pretty even back and forth and with this one person is it always you when you want to talk about yourself, do they suddenly have to go? Do they suddenly get really busy? Um, and does it never come back around? You know what I mean? Is that a pattern? Do they minimize you? Do they tell you that um, what you're feeling is wrong for whatever reason? Or like, you know, just any kind of way they might deny your experience, right? So, Here's why your feelings aren't accurate. Here's why your thinking is messed up. And here's, are you always, again, just kind of back to that, do I just always feel wrong with this person? Because that's a huge red flag. If I just always, always, always feel wrong. And of course, when we get into with narcissism, we really get to look at um, the area of abuse. You know, when it gets severe, are are they isolating you? Mm. You know, so are they demonizing your friends who might just be encouraging you to think for yourself? I've heard so many stories of the narcissistic person moving their partner away from all their family. Now, mm. if it's a conscious choice between you and the, and the coupleship, that's totally different. Like you, you certainly can do that, but there is definitely a point within an abusive system that it just becomes isolation. So is this person your entire world and are they threatened by you having outside connections? huge huge red flag yeah 100 um do they control all the finances in a way that feels not good again not something you've consciously chosen as a couple you know but more like um am i gonna get my allowance this week i don't know there's a lot of punishment that happens with money i work with clients who sometimes can't come to their therapy sessions because the partner has nabbed all the finances because they the partner pissed him off so just we're looking at I know I know it's and so yeah so it's I'm glad we're talking about this because these are really really important things and when I talk about these signs with with my clients sometimes they're just they can feel it in their bodies like oh my gosh this is happening yes do it you know another thing is do you feel like you get punished a lot this can be financially Um, It can be through explosions, you know, up to physical violence or threatening. It can be from withdrawing love. You know, so there's something called, and anybody listening can Google this, it's called the cycle of violence. And if you resonate with this, ooh, huge red flag, because it starts off in honeymoon phase, but they're being super sweet. And that's another, that's another trait of narcissism. They know how to turn it on. They know how to be charming. They know they're smart. You know, they're, they have lots of trauma, but part of their ad- adaptation is they're very smart and they know how to read you. So 
they they'll honeymoon you they'll wine you they'll dine you they'll tell you everything that you want to hear and what's tricky is they can have insight they can tell you about their childhood they can they can be it's not true vulnerability they can feign vulnerability they can fake it but they do it so well oh here's why i'm like oh my childhood oh my mom oh my dad oh my this oh my that like it's they can get really soft to reel you in tell you everything they want to hear so that's the honeymoon phase and then it goes back around to the eggshell phase to where then all of a sudden the honeymoon is over you don't understand why you don't understand what happened until something is just not right and then you just know that you're walking on eggshells and you're doing everything in your power to not make them mad or upset you are in super caretaking mode at this point Here's where your coping mechanisms come in and making yourself super duper small because you're trying not to wake the beast, but then it gets into explosion, mm. right? Like you're never, it's an unsustainable system. So you're never going to walk on eggshells enough to make them happy. That's just, that's not possible because they have to make themselves happy. <clears throat> so explosion happens. Now this can look any number of ways that can, this can look like a physical explosion. Um, they take all, all the money, they withdraw their love. They isolate you. They don't talk to you for three days. They kind of ice you out until you come begging for forgiveness and then right back up to honeymoon phase. I'm sorry, you know, this isn't me. You know, this isn't like me. And like, oh, it's just, it's the work stress. You know, just this jerk at work and they'll always blame it. They never take that. That's another thing. They are not taking any kind of responsibility. It's, is it always somebody else's fault? Ooh, that's a big one to look for. It's always somebody else's fault why they behave this way. And again, what can be so confusing and why I really feel for the partners is because, again, they can fake vulnerability and they have mm -hmm. insight. It's not that they're drained of insight. No, they have it. They're just not choosing to do anything with it. <laughs> you know, they're not choosing to heal with it and actually do the work, but they're using it as a weapon. And that is very confusing for the partner. Another internal sign is, do you often feel confused? Are there times when you are away from the relationship and maybe with other people or maybe by yourself and your mind clears, but then you go back in the relationship and feel confused again and feel off balance? Huge red flag is if you feel off balance with a particular person and you start self-questioning and you start, you know, the partner's trauma response is to, you know, again, to seek validation is to people please to, oh, my, I don't know why I feel confused. What's wrong with me? And, and you just, you fawn over this person to try to get some scraps of love. But is there somebody, if there's somebody in your life that you're doing that with, that, that's a telltale sign that you may be dealing with a narcissist for sure. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I've got like a billion questions. I wanna go in so many directions. How could that maybe translate to a parent if you were the child of, of a narcissistic parent? Is, is would that same kind of cycle I imagine be there? It just might look differently because we're not talking about like a romantic relationship. Yeah, that's a great question. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, it just translates from parent to child. Um, I've heard numerous stories and it's so heartbreaking to hear where the parent ices them out as the mm. explosion you know, where the parent actually withdraws, which is so damaging to a child um, to withdraw that love. I've heard people tell me, dude, I wish they just hit me yeah. because at least they'd be looking at me. At least there would be, you know, we're attachment beings. We are just wired to be together. And one of the worst things you can do is, is just ghost completely, especially if it's a parent. So no, it's the exact same thing. It's the, you know, uh, trying to think how that might manifest, but it's, it's that same energetic cycle. You know, for sure, parent, you know, maybe in the honeymoon phase, they take the kids to Disneyland. Oh, I was, I was just yep. thinking like, oh, okay, oh yeah. let's get ice cream. Let's, let's get ice cream. I was seeing ice cream so in my wonderful. head. Yeah, you're so, oh, you're such a good kid. And, you know, mommy's just been blah. And like, oh, but you might, you know, treat the kid to just like a big day. And it might be, you know, in my family, something that would happen, it would be really extravagant. Like, whoa, like we usually don't ever do stuff like this. Kind of just like odd and not aligned, like a big reward. Like, oh, blah. but then, you know, parent gets back in their shell and the kid is wondering what's wrong and trying to do everything right. 
you know, how I grew up in my household was, you know, yeah, I was the kid who just, you know, was adapting to try to be perfect. And when things were tense, I just tried to either be, I'm a great chameleon and my survivor mm-hmm. self, my survivor self is just a, a very excellent chameleon. And so oh, yes. like, do you need me to be funny? Okay, no, uh, thinking they may more need me to be quiet and calm and maybe be their therapist. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's another big thing is like you become the parents therapist or coach Ooh, like that that was me for sure and then yeah right back to the explosion so do they hit you do they threaten you do they um withdraw their love for a few days and then right back to honeymoon absolutely yeah mm-hmm. God, that's so and I'm I'm right there with you that was very similar to my household and it is so stressful for children. I have so much compassion for, for your little and my little and any other little that had to, had to deal with that because it is so stressful. And I internalized so much of it. It's like, well, I'm not doing a good enough job of being what they need me to be. Cause, oh yes. As you said, my survivor self is a fabulous chameleon. She can be anything you need her to be. Yes. And she can be like 10 steps ahead and see it all. And and oh yeah. gosh. And so then yes. when, when it goes a different way, it's very jarring and like, well, but I thought I was doing all the things that I needed to. And absolutely, I was your therapist. I listened to you cry for like three hours. <laughs> right. Exactly. And you told me all your adult problems, which right. is very overwhelming for me, but Hey, I'm there for you. And I don't feel my feelings anyway, cause I don't know how. And, absolutely. And, I, and I don't trust myself anyway. And I, <laughs> my, my feelings are wrong. I feel like something's wrong, but I have to be wrong because you're always right. So I'm just so confused. Yeah. Oh, same here. So much compassion to all the littles, like my little year, little, all the littles who, who dealt with that. And something really important to note here is that, you know, developmental psychology, when you're, you know, little, when you're growing up and, you know, five, six, seven, you're very egoic. So everything is about you. That is appropriate. That is what it is supposed to be. And, you know, what happens is that with trauma, things get locked in. And so we don't initiate as well out of that egoic stage. So when trauma freezes everything, it freezes everything into place. That's why I love this work, because we're just helping the body to unfreeze and to just keep moving and initiating. You kind of stay stuck in this egoic phase of, oh, I'm still the problem. It's still about me. So when, you, when you're used to that energetic of the cycle of violence in your family of origin, it's familiar. That's why we attract it. You know, again, I never want anybody, anybody to use this as shame arsenal for themselves. It's just what it is. You know, we, we attract what we're used to. And so you're familiar with that cycle of violence energetic. And so you'll find it again in a partner but the same tape keeps playing of like what I do. It's always about me, right? It's, oh my gosh, he, he or she, or whoever it is exploded again. What I do, that's always the question is what did I do wrong? You know, like, how could I, how could I be better next time? And so that's why a lot of the coping for the partners tends to be just ultra perfectionism, ultra anxious, ultra hypervigilance. That's another thing. How can I be better for this person? I'm the reason, you know, you do, you internalize it. Like you said earlier, you internalize the fact that they don't feel good is because of me, because I'm not performing well enough for them. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of codependency and and, and enmeshed in all of this. huh? So codependent and enmeshed. And just to, you know, take you all behind the curtain a little bit, if, you know, underneath, when you do start questioning and doing your healing work, underneath all the the perfectionism and the people pleasing is a good bit of anger you know so again we're peeling back the behind the curtain here you know but to the actual true physical body it's it'll make you angry when your parents and your partner treat you like that um so is all that there's a range as we keep going deeper and peeling deeper layers like there we just go layer to layer to layer to layer of emotion it's all normal. It's all healthy. It's all part of it. But the people pleasing and the, the shame and the what's wrong with me, it, it kind of, it's the very outward manifestation. And when we start to peel that back, what you'll see, what I went through for sure is just, then it can be just a lot of anger, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it can feel safe. And what I want to, you know, tell everybody listening is that, you know, it can feel really unsafe to feel angry at first and that's okay. 
because this is this work is not for the faint. This work is is hard. Yeah, hard and so rewarding. Mm, yes. And the layers, yeah, I, I love that. It's so true. The things that are those outward manifestations of whatever wounding or, or imprint that we're dealing with are covering up other things, which might be covering up another thing. And mm. at the core is often just kind of an ugly, deep rage. <laughs> yes, yes, a deep rage. And that and what I like to tell people who are in that rage spot is like that rage is actually, that's a, a side of the coin of self-love and self-compassion. That's yes. a healthy self-preservation. I, I want you to be angry if somebody punches you. I absolutely want that. That doesn't mean you have to hate them. And that's kind of a whole other, another, you know, but it does mean I absolutely get to protect my space. You know, Devin, you've seen my brand, you know, my brand is a lot of lioness energy. Mm -hmm. Like my icon's an actual lioness and she's like growling. But the purpose of that is this, the fierce love that I get to protect my space. It's not that I'm moving against you. It's that I'm protecting my space. And sometimes you have to growl a little bit especially when you're in an abusive situation. So that anger as uncomfortable as it can be, get curious about, man, is that just a manifestation of your, your deep self-love, which is innate with you? I love myself enough to get angry as fuck. Yes. You cross my it. boundaries when you mistreat yes. me. Yes. Absolutely. When you, yeah, when you mistreat me, if you hit me, if you ice me, if you like, I get to love myself enough to be angry about that. Uh-huh. so good oh my gosh mm. okay so just wrapping it up and I already know you're you're coming back this is like the first of many <laughs> whether you want to or not you're coming back. goodbye I'm coming back <laughs> so just kind of wrapping it up for now we've touched on so many awesome things I love this episode so talked about ways to to, to begin that healing process, no matter where you are, if you're like super in it, we offered some, some suggestions. If you're kind of a little bit more along on the, on the journey, we've offered some suggestions, talked about ways to kind of demagnetize. Was there anything else that you wanted to add to that or anything else about anything that you kind of want to add in these last few moments together? Yes, I do. And thank you for that. So, yeah, because I, I love to summarize and give summaries because this work can often feel really overwhelming. So, and I also am very self-aware. I, I love the deep work so much. I can typically jump super deep and into embodiment first. <laughs> and so, you know, I get to come up for air and, but I want to summarize for anybody who's in it and who's just going through the journey. First, it is very helpful to look for the outward signs. So, and we mentioned that more toward the middle of our chat here. So it's very helpful to look for outward signs as you're starting to just become aware as you move further along, you do have an opportunity to do some deeper embodiment work and learning to be safe and secure within your body. You know, so we do start with the kind of looking out, but just what I want to say is just be aware when you cling to that and use that. Cause the last thing you want to do is demonize the, the narcissist as well. I've been a part of some communities who tend to do that. And that's also a distraction. We don't, it's okay to be mad. Oh, is it okay to be, it, it is more than okay to be mad. Please be mad. <laughs> sacred rage, sacred rage mm -hmm. is separate from villainizing somebody. Yes. Okay. The end goal is so be enraged, but what can often happen when you get stuck in the outer signs is that you, we villainize the narcissist and we use, it's very, we, it becomes very they oriented. That's not where we're headed. Okay. Like, uh, if you really want to heal and empower yourself, then you get to go deeper into that embodiment work. And what I always say about this work is that to really demagnetize yourself, the ultimate goal is to become safe in your own body. The reason that you unconsciously, the unconscious brain is responsible for about 98% of our behavior. So all of our old relationship patterns are stored in the unconscious. To undo that, you get to feel safer in your own body. And that can only be accomplished through embodiment work. Because then your, your little wounded inner child is sudden, you know, over time will not be looking for that narcissist to validate her, if that makes sense. Yes. So the goal here is to become so safe within your own being, within your own body. And then you're just not going to look for that outer validation. The narcissist has no power. 
because they don't look for people who trust themselves. They look for those who have that, that deep wound and who are disembodied. So the more embodied you are, the more it just won't even be a thing anymore. Becoming unfuckwithable by yeah. deeply embodying your sacred body. Yes. I feel like that could be a whole episode title. <laughs> Become unfuckwithable. Become unfuckwithable. <laughs> yeah. That's our new program coming. That's our new hey, 2022. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> yes. Oh, my love. Well, I'm going to put all of Elizabeth's information and website and the places to get in touch with you and the things that you're up to. But is there anything in that vein that you'd like to share? Oh, gosh, you know, yeah, I mean, as long as yeah, thank you, Devin, so much for um, for posting all that stuff. I'm uh, rapidly developing new exciting services um, to help with exactly this. Um, for those of you listening, uh, if you check out my stuff, you'll, you'll see our newest membership. It's month to month. And we, we go deep into exactly this thing. It's, um, it's women and people who identify as more feminine, you know, uh, who have dealt with this exact issue. And we do embodiment practices. It's, it's exactly for this purpose. So it's called the Queen's Quarters Membership. And again, that's for anybody who identifies as female, regardless of your, your birth gender. Um, but yeah, otherwise follow me on Instagram. I play there a lot and I go live a lot and I answer your questions a lot. So I just love to get to know any of you, um, who, who feel resonant with this and who want to connect. And I love you already. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of your wisdom and your experiences. And I, I know that many are going to be touched by and have been touched and will continue to be touched mm. by, by your work and who you are in the world. So thank you so much for being you. Oh my gosh, Devin, my love. Thank you so much too, um, just for being you, for your friendship and for having me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So much love. And thank you for who you be in the world. Yeah. It's amazing. Yay. Well, you will come back again soon. Yes. See you and in the soon. meantime, people know where to get in touch with you and That'll do us for today. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you all. Mwah.